to that I say, amen. Good morning. You know, I'd like to do something on this uh, Memorial Day weekend. I think, you know, any time that we can uh, recognize and honor uh, those who have served in our military, who, are, who have served, our first responders, our police officers, I'm going to ask you just to stand in this place today, whether you're active or retired, I'm going to ask you to stand in this place. Can we give a round of applause to... Amen. Amen. God bless you guys on this Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, again, we're so thankful for those. And it's a family calling. I recognize that, you know, those who serve, it's not only the one actively serving, it's the husband, it's the wife, it's the children. It's a, it's a family calling. And, you know, again, I just thank you so much. We're, you know, such a huge military community here. And, you know, sometimes we'll only get you for a period of time. You know, we'll have our families come in and we know we got two years. And, you know, I'm always amazed at, you know, the intentionality of our military families as they come in and they, you know, take a step of membership and they find the place where they can serve and get connected. And, you know, even though it's just a short period of time, you know, you have seen that with our families have recognized the need to find that community. And so we're just thankful for you guys and so thankful for uh, our military community. Can, once again, can we give them a round of applause this morning if we can? If you would take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, if you've been with us, we've been in the book of Haggai for the last uh, four uh, weeks and we're now kind of transitioning and, and we're going to go to Colossians chapter three. Excited about a new series next week entitled Impact in which you're going to get uh, multiple weeks as we talk about, you know, one of the values that we hold dear here at River Oak is that we impact the world, that wherever the Lord has you, you know, there's a plan and a purpose behind it. It's not random. It's not a coincidence that the Lord has you. And we believe it starts in the place where you live, the, the families that God has surrounded us with. And so I'm excited for the next couple of weeks. You know, next Sunday, we'll begin this series of impact. We'll deal you know, with, our, you know, with the family uh, responsibility that God has given us. The next week is Graduate Sunday. And so on June 12th, we're celebrating uh, our seniors. Uh, then the next week is Father's Day. And then the next week is the beginning of Vacation Bible School. And so each week, we'll kind of deal with a different uh, topic of impact within our family structure regardless of how your family looks. And so we're excited about this new series beginning next week. You know, Haggai has been something that's been on me. And even this week I was praying about, okay, Lord, this is kind of an in-between week, you know, where we finish a series and there's kind of a series beginning, but I just felt like that there was just such a period that still needed uh, to be put on the end of Haggai. So I was praying about, you know, Matthew 6, which is the Seek Ye First passage, which is really, you know, the New Testament equivalent of what we've been talking about, you know, in Haggai, of, of a renewed perspective, new priorities, right? To remove the things of this world that have a tendency to take the place where only the Lord should be. And so, you know, I kept really just praying and stirring my heart. And so there was a couple of passages that kept coming back to me. And we're gonna look at uh, different ones this morning. Psalm 46, which was the one on the video. Many, many of you will recognize recognize that, that the Lord is my refuge, my strength, a very present help in trouble. And then you come to the end of that passage and it says, be still and know that I'm God. Easier said than done. Can I get an amen? We're going to be looking at Matthew 6 in just a little while as well, but I invite you to be praying for uh, my family. Um, you know, as a pastor, we've walked with families, my dad and I, through many different 
seasons, and uh, we are in a particular season in our own family's life. Just uh, two weeks ago, my brother was diagnosed with cancer, and they found a mass in his pancreas. And so this week on uh, Thursday, which is June 2nd, he'll be having a surgery, first and foremost, to remove a three by three centimeter mass that's within his pancreas. And then he'll start uh, his chemotherapy and, and then they'll go back. He's actually got two more surgeries scheduled uh, even after that. And, and so a new season in the life of our family. You know, he shared with his doctor, he's like, look, my son's uh, celebrating his 16th birthday. My middle daughter's graduating from high school and my oldest daughter's getting married July 31st. And the doctor was basically like, you know, oh, well, you know, this is something that you have to walk through as an individual. So James 5, 6, I believe, you know, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I believe that. If you believe that, say amen, amen. And so many of you have walked this. Many of you are walking this. Some of you personally, some of you besides someone else. And so uh, I would just say on behalf of my family, we covet uh, your prayers as we walk through this season um, of life. Colossians chapter three, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me in reverence of reading God's word. This has been a passage I know that the Lord has just used for me personally this week. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And so really what you're doing this week is you're listening in to a sermon to me, to be honest with you. So if you get something out of it, praise the Lord. Uh, but ultimately this is for me. And this is something that I know the Lord has been stirring in my heart, especially coming off of Haggai, like some practical disciplines of, you know, a renewed perspective of to lift our eyes off of the things that only we can see. And that's our natural tendency, right? Our natural tendency in our flesh and as human beings is to only see what we see and, and to live our lives by our senses. And yet the Bible says we are to live with something more, right? That there's a hope beyond what we can see. And the Bible says, right, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we understand that there's many times that there are seasons in our life that we can't see the next step, and yet the Lord is calling us to faith. And as we finish Haggai, man, this has been a passage, this has just showed up in my life in multiple places this week. And I've preached this passage, I've studied this passage, you know, we've worked through the book of Colossians before, but this is one of those that just practically speaking, the Lord has been stirring in my heart. And so the Bible says this, beginning... In verse one, just four verses of scripture. And I pray you encourage this morning. The Bible says this in verse one, Colossians three. If then, or since then, really the translation, you have been raised with Christ. Notice this, notice the action. Seek those things, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Notice this, sitting at the right hand of God. There's so much emphasis right there and we'll come back to it. Verse two, set your mind. So you see the action, right? Seek and set. The title of the message is seek the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on this earth. Verse three, for you died. For the, the old life is done. For you died and your life is hidden. Notice that, sealed, preserved with Christ in God. And here's the future hope. Verse four, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Can I get an Amen. We could go home right there with a word of prayer, but we're not. And so join with me as we go to Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, may these words just resonate. Lord, may we just meditate upon the truth of this passage. Lord, how often our minds go to so many other things and how often our minds will race to things that are in the future that we know nothing about. How often our minds will try to figure out and reconcile our present moment situations. But Lord, you tell us that your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts, but we can trust in your heart because your ways are far better. 
that Lord, beyond what we can see, there's a work that you're doing behind the scenes. And so Lord, we pray that. Lord, we pray that as you move us into these different seasons of our lives, Lord, that we would be able to look back and see, Lord, that you changed us through it. That we didn't just go through it and bear it, but Lord, there was something that we can look back and see that we're more like Christ in it. And so Lord, our prayer is as we come off of Haggai and, and we're praying about new priorities and a renewed perspective of what you've done in our lives, Lord, may this be just practical application of how we live each day. To seek and to set the things above. Lead us and guide us this morning. May the name of Jesus be lifted high. We pray it, we ask it in his name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So excited about our teams that are heading out, be praying for our Lesotho team that's heading out on, on Tuesday. And again, we're excited for what the Lord's doing you know, over there. As Pastor Kyle said, through many years, we are seeing such fruit that has taken place. This passage this morning, again, it's just something that has resonated with me because it's something that I can put rubber to the road on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, right? Okay, these are the promises. These are the truths. How do I live it out? And the Apostle Paul, if you know, as he's been writing to the church of Colossae, right? The first chapter is all about the supremacy of Christ, right? That Jesus is supreme, that Jesus is sufficient, right? Verse chapter two, he talks about, you know, the deficiency of false religions. And now he moves into chapter three, right? And it's just this application of how to live this out. That if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a new creation in Christ, they were here to seek and set, not the things of this earth, but they were here to seek the things above. Well, what does that mean, right? Well, if you look at the preposition with, right? In verse one, uh, it kind of talks about what the Christian life is all about. Verse one says we are raised with Christ. If you look at verse three, it says our lives are hidden with Christ. If you look at verse four, we will appear with Christ. What is the emphasis? Christ, that it's all about Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. That all Paul's talking about, it's all about Jesus. It's not your good works. It's not religions, right? Filthy rags to the face of God, right? That it's about Jesus. It's about the only one who lived according to God's standards and God's laws and helped uh, upheld all of his holy requirements. That he was like a sheep being led to the slaughter, but he said no words. Because this was all part of the Father's plan. This was all part before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says, right, that it was predetermined that a Savior would die for the sins of the world. And so Paul is saying again, what is our mission statement? Live every day captivated and changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Live captivated by Jesus. But this is to change our course. That our lives are to go a different direction, right? From Haggai, right? That, that if you've truly been born again, if you've truly been, been saved by the grace and the mercy of Lord Jesus Christ, it should change your direction. And the first thing he talks about here is a new life. That it's not putting, you know, uh, uh, not repairing the old, but it's the old dying so that the new can live. Look at what he says in verse one. I love this. If then, or since then, the better translation, you have been raised with Christ. Notice this action. Seek the things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. And so we see the action to seek the Lord and to set our minds. And that's so critical, right? Matthew 6, says what? Seek ye first the kingdom, the rule of God, the authority of God, and his righteousness. So seek his authority, seek his rule, now seek his holiness. That if we've been raised with Christ, there is a new life, right? That's what we talk about. The Bible says we're a new creation. If you look at the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, what does he say? You must be born again. I've heard people say, well, I want to come to church and I want to respond to, to what Jesus has done, but I got to fix some things in my life. You ever heard that before? 
I got to clean some things up before I come to God. It don't work that way, right? You come to God so that you can be cleaned up. That's not something that we can do on our own. What is he requiring? He was requiring surrender. And in surrender, there's a new life. The Bible says the old has passed away and now the new. He says, if then, since then you have been raised with Christ, seek and set the things above. And if you go through and you look at the book of Colossians, you see the picture of the gospel. Last week we celebrated baptism. And in baptism, you see the visual, the death, the burial, the resurrection. I always tell our, our individuals who are being baptized, if I know nothing about the Bible, know nothing about God's word, know nothing about Jesus, I'm seeing something. There is a visual in baptism. That we just don't dunk people because they like to get wet and free people in front of people they don't know. That's not what's going on here. That we're identifying, right? We're identifying with some things and in the visual there's death. That God found me dead in my trespasses and sins, buried there, but by his grace and by his mercy, he has raised me to newness of life. Can I get an amen? He says, so since then, because of then, now it's a new thing. Set your mind, seek the things which are above. And you see this picture of baptism. If you go back to Colossians 2.20, it talks about how we have died with Christ. Colossians 2.12 talks about how we have been buried with Christ. And then here in verse one of chapter three, it talks about how we have been raised with Christ. That the definition of the Christian life is a new life. It's not an old life that's been fixed. It's a new life. It's being born again. That's why the Christian life is not about rules and regulations. Hear what I'm saying. It's about a resurrection. The resurrection of a savior, but the resurrection of individuals who was dead in their trespasses and sins and was raised to walk in newness of life. You look at the story of Lazarus, right? In John 11, he didn't need a new set of rules and regulations. What did he need? He needed a new life. He needed a resurrection. He needed a new beginning. And the heart of the gospel is a new beginning. And let me just dare to say, if there's never been a new beginning in your life, I would dare to say that you've never truly come to faith in Christ. If you can't honestly say that there's been a new beginning, that you look at something and you say, you know what, I am different. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I'm going a different direction. Rather than running to, I'm running from, right? Rather than laying in my sins, God has delivered me from my sins. And it doesn't mean I'm still not dragging around this old flesh, but God has given me a new life by the power of his Holy Spirit. I remember, you know, talking to a young man when I was a youth pastor, I'll never forget this. And he was right at the point of coming to faith in Christ. And he had a background, man. He, he had a, a hard backstory. I knew his history, 16 years old. And he said to me, he said, Pastor Heath, he said, I can't. He said, I can't live that life. I'll never forget him saying that because it was something the Lord did in my heart. He said, I can't live that life. That life that the Bible speaks of, you don't know my stronghold. You don't know my struggles. And I said to him, you know what? That's the point of it. You can't live this life. Neither can I. Only Christ can live it in us. It's not about us doing our best for Jesus. That's not what Paul is talking about here. It's about us dying to ourselves so that we can be raised to walk in newness of life and now have a new perspective, a new mind that God has given us against the things of this world and towards the glory of God. So what must we do? Two things. Verse one, seek Seek what? Seek those things which are above, the heavenly. Seek those things which are eternal. Seek those things that are not temporary, but that are permanent. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. That word seek speaks of this strong pursuit. And the picture, I love the Apostle Paul because he uses athletic terminology. And if he gives me a picture, I understand scripture better. I just do. 
Like you, you give me my precious moments Bible, you know, I, I'm good with the pictures there. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a visual of, of a runner, right? It's this, it's this visual of an Olympic runner that sees a finish line in front of him. It's this picture of eyes set seeking the things above. It's this picture of a runner seeking the finish line. It's this picture of a runner who understands they have a lot of different things happening around him. The wind may be at their face. They may have those who are right on the heels, but their eyes are set on the finish line. Their eyes are set and they're persevering towards a goal. And rather than allowing these other things to be what, what leads their mind under, their minds are set on the finished line. That's the picture that Paul's painting here. He says, seek the things which are above. Well, how do you do that? Look at verse two. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And so as the mind goes, so goes the heart and the body. So hear what I'm saying to you this morning. We gotta get rid of stinking thinking. Can I get an amen? I've said this before, but now I'm preaching to myself. Who talks to you more than anyone else throughout the week? Yourself. Some of you out loud, and that's weird. Me too, I get it. And some of us are creeped out by that. I understand that. But you talk to yourself more than anybody else. Here's the question. What do we say to ourselves? If we're seeking the things above, how do we do that? We gotta set our minds on the things above. So you understand that the seeking comes with the setting. The seeking comes with the setting. On a Monday morning when I wake up and my mind wants to go that way and my mind wants to go sideways and my mind and my flesh wants to go the other, I've got to stop it, 1 Corinthians 10, right? I've got to take captive my thoughts and set my mind upon the things that are true because I will lie to myself. I'm just going to be real with you. My flesh will lie to me. My heart will lie to me, the Bible says, which is desperately wicked, beyond what I understand and can comprehend. There are lies that flow throughout. So there's action that is required. This whole idea of, of let go and let God, that's not what you find in scripture. You find that there's action required. Jesus take the will, yeah, carry underwood, but there's more involved than that, right? Seek and set the things which are above. That's a better seat over there. I see you from the corner. Seek and set the things which are above. Romans 12, one and two, one of my favorite passages of scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul says, I implore you, I beg you to reflect upon what God's done for you. Here it is, set your mind. You wanna set your minds on something? Rather than your calendar, your schedule, your struggles, set your mind upon the finished work of Christ. Set your mind upon the mercies of God. You wanna give yourself a renewed perspective. Allow your mind first to go to God's grace, God's mercy, the promise of eternal life beyond the struggles of this world. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that here it is, here's the action, present your body, sacrifice, submission, lay it upon the altar, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse two, do not be conformed. It's where we get the word chameleon. Do not blend in to the world. But what does he say? But be transformers, where we get the word metamorphosis, a change on the outside that begins on the inside. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. How's your mind throughout the week? Is your mind focused upon truth, not lies? Is your mind focused upon the fixed things, not the what ifs? Or the how's this? He says, if or since you've been raised with Christ since you're a new creation, since there's a new life in Jesus, seek the things which are above action like a runner pursuing a finish line. Set your minds on the thing above. Again, this is action in our lives. 
Because when you think about it, let's be real, there are really only two outlooks that we can live by. We can live by an earthly perspective or we can live by a heavenly perspective. And I would dare to say the majority of the world lives by an earthly perspective. And even believers, even Christians live by only what they can see. And let's be real about this, right? It's safe to say that that's why so many people are so restless. They're looking for joy, peace, satisfaction, fulfillment in the things of this world and you will never find it. Some people try to find it in their position or their possessions or even pleasure, whatever it may be. It's a void that only Christ can fill. So he says, seek the things above, set your mind upon the things above. It's a new life in Christ, but notice verse three, it's a secured life in Christ. What a promise for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now it's interesting here, the seek and set is in the present tense. The, the word died and life is hidden is in the perfect tense. And in the original language, what that means is this, something that's happened in the past, but has continued results. When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow him, what is he saying? He's not saying bear your cross and your cross is your mother-in-law to bear. That's not what he's saying. And by the way, I love my mother-in-law. Some people say that's my cross to bear, it's my struggle at work. That's not what he's saying. Take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross. And what is he saying? Bring your death instrument with you. Because every day we've got to nail to the cross those old desires, those old sins. There's an action that is required to seek the things above, set my mind upon the things above, but to put to death the flesh, put to death by the power of the spirit lives in me. Listen, I have no power over that, but in my surrender and submission, the power of God nails those old things to the cross so that the new life can live. Why don't you take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, just take a right. It's one of my favorite passages. Let's go to 1 Peter. Mine's about 30 pages to the right. But 1 Peter, I love what he says here in verse 3 of chapter 1. You know, this promise of security, this promise of protection. Listen, we live in a world that is seeking security. Listen, there is no security apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no security apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the promise that in Christ, we are hidden with him. What does that mean? Well, let's look at this. First Peter chapter one, verse three says this. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that though these may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very ribbon, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. And that is Second Peter. Let's go to First Peter. I'm reading that going, no, this ain't my cross reference, but it sounded so good, First Peter. I'm sweating a little bit. I love my eight o'clock, First Peter. <laughs> oh man, we're good. Verse three. May this encourage you this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Don't miss verse five, who are what? Who are 
kept, hear it, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. What does this mean? It means that we are kept by the power of God. We're saved by the power of God. We're sealed by the power of God. We're redeemed by the power of God, but we're kept by the power of God. What does this mean? It means that we will always be in the hand, that the Bible says nothing, no one can pluck us from the hand of God. But it doesn't mean we don't go through storms, right? But there's a purpose behind it as we read in those further verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. That the genuineness of your faith may be on display. But the promise is what? That yeah, we may go through storms, but we have protection and security through those storms. Psalm 61, three, for you are a shelter for me, a strong tower from my enemy. Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I love Joel three sixteen. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the sky will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge. The Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for his people. Psalm 46, I would encourage you to go back. I don't have time this morning. Go back to Psalm 46 and listen to the words of that psalm where it doesn't begin with the struggle. It doesn't begin with, Lord, I'm in trouble, rescue me. That's not how it begins. It begins with acknowledging, seeking and setting, seeking and setting. It begins with acknowledging that, Lord, you are God of all these things, that you are sitting upon your throne above all these things. That even if the earth shakes and the water comes, that you are a God above all these things, that you are sovereign above the storms in my life. And verse 10 says what? Be still, which is the hardest thing, right? Be still. We want to fix. We want to run to this and we want to run to that. And sometimes God says, no, I'm asking you to be still, to be silent and to watch the work that I'm going to do through it. It's a promise of a new life or it's a promise of a secured life. But listen to the promise to come. Look at verse four of Colossians three and then we're gonna close. When Christ, who is our life, appears, listen to this, then you will appear with him in glory. Listen, we're coming off that passage of 1 Thessalonians of the return of Christ. And we know that the Bible promises that. Here's my amen right here. If you believe that Jesus is coming again, let me hear you say amen, amen. That that's the promise, right? It's not just a promise of a new life, not just a promise of a secured life. It's the promise of a life to come. It's the promise that this world is not my home that we are passing through, right? That, that we are pilgrims, right? That we're passing through this land, but we're on our way on a journey to a place that we will have for all of eternity. And the promise is what? The finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse one. If you go back to verse one, it says what? Seek and set where Christ is. Notice this, sitting, sitting, not standing, sitting at the right hand of God. There's so much there, right? The high priest in the Old Testament, he never sat down. It was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But our high priest, the final sacrifice, which he himself displayed upon the cross, now the work is done. No more shedding of blood, no more animals to be brought into the temple. The spotless lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was the final sacrifice upon the cross and he is seated. He sat down at the right hand of God. It's done. I saw this before and I love this. It says this, you know, his second time that he returns. The first time he came in great humility, the second time he's coming with great power and great glory. The first time the Bible says he came as a lowly Nazarene, the second time he's coming as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
The first time he came, he came to wear a crown of thorns. The Bible says the second time he comes, he's coming to wear a crown of glory. Listen, the first time he came, he came riding on that little donkey into Jerusalem. The Bible says the second time that he comes, he's riding a great white stallion. A little bit of a difference, right? The first time he came, the Bible says he was despised and rejected by men. But the second time, the Bible says all, all, everyone on the earth, under the earth will acknowledge every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So what are we to do? We are to seek, we are to set. How does this play out this afternoon? How does this play out tomorrow morning? What are you seeking? We're all seeking something. Take inventory of this past week. What what did you seek? And I would dare to say that if you were not active, if you were not intentional, the flesh sought some things that were not of the Lord, that had no eternal value whatsoever, the things of this earth. And so there's action required. There's an altar required. The Bible says, what, present yourself a living sacrifice. What is that? That's me seeking. That's me laying myself down. That's me surrendering and saying, Lord, I am dead, but you have given me a new life. And so Lord, now set my eyes above the things of which I can see and upon the eternal things. That's what you find in Matthew 6 when he comes to that passage of seek ye first. That's what you find. He says, you're worried about your life. You're worried about your clothes. You're worried about your, your physical sense. Like, like, look at the birds, he says. And I can only just picture Jesus, right? And I've been to Jerusalem and I've, I've seen kind of some of these hills. I can, I can just picture a bird flying by when he says that. He says, look at them. They're not restless. Because the promise is that the father will take care of them. And if he will take care of them, how much more will he take care of you? how the things of this world drown our minds of the eternal things. Oh, how the questions of this world drown the minds of the things that are secure and promised. Oh, how the doubts of our lives have a tendency to cloud and drown the mind of the promises that are secure. So what must we do? We must seek and we must set. If the Lord came back today, here's the question. Would he find us seeking it? As we come off the book of Haggai, if we, as we come off priority, would, would he find us giving him our first or would he find us giving him what we have left? Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God to live captivated every day by God's grace, by God's mercy, that Jesus died for you, that he rose again and he's called us to live for something more. So now seeking and now setting, 1 Corinthians 10, 15, to take captive every thought, to be a watchman upon the, upon the, you know, uh, the, the window of our minds to stop anything from, from even entering that we know is not true. Stinking thinking, the things that have a tendency to come in and drown out the truth. So we are to seek and we are to set with every head bowed and every head closed. Verse 28 of Matthew 6 says this. He says, so why do you worry about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, then neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is not, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, 
So worry in your life, hear these words. Therefore, do not worry. It's not a suggestion. This is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the Gentiles see? God says, when you worry about your life and you worry about tomorrow, you're no different than someone who doesn't know Jesus as their savior, who doesn't know the promises of God, that we're just like them. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. I invite you to stand right where you are as we go to the Lord in prayer. Listen, my first question to you is simply this, is, is there a new life that you are living? That's the first question in all of this, because listen, if you walked in the doors of this place and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I can just tell you, that's why God brought you here. These are eternal things. I believe that, that we're not promised today. Can you say with full assurance, I'm not who I used to be. Christ found me and he's raised me to walk in a new life. I have my struggles, I have my seasons. I'm a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first step in all of this. For those who know the Lord, this is an invitation of a relationship that each day, rather than allowing our minds to run to all the places that have no eternal value whatsoever, to fix it upon Christ. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the finished work of a Savior. We thank you that in Jesus, we have hope to know that he is seated at your right hand, that the work is finished cried it out upon the cross and your word tells us by faith we are saved and so Lord I pray every person in this place has demonstrated faith unto salvation but Lord you've called us now to walk in you sometimes life can hit us right between the eyes and in those seasons the uncertainty of tomorrow can cripple us so may we rest in the promises of today to seek you today but to set our minds to fix them to be diligent to be disciplined to be intentional that our minds may be fixed upon you and not on the things that are temporary but the things that are eternal thank you for the hope living hope that is found only in Jesus Christ, our Savior. May he be glorified in our words, our actions, in our faith. May you be glorified in our faith when we can't see the next step to trust you. To be still, as hard as that is. To just be still. To stop fighting. To just be still and rest arms of a father. Thank you for that promise. We walk out in that promise today. 
lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. May you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday morning.